Greetings, and welcome to Montessori in Action, a podcast for Montessori educators to remind you that you are not alone. I'm your host, Elizabeth Slade, and let's spend some time listening to what is in the hearts and on the minds of other Montessorians. To close season three, we are doing our Summer Reads episode featuring the Bloomsbury Handbook of Montessori Education, which is a brand new accessible resource tracing Montessori education from its historical roots to current scholarship and contemporary issues of culture, social justice, and environmentalism. It is offered in six sections covering a range of topics related to Montessori and Montessori education, including foundations and evolution of the field, key writings, pedagogy across the lifespan, scholarly research, global reach, and contemporary considerations such as gender, inclusive education, race, and multilingualism. The book is authored by scholars and practitioners based in over 20 countries, and today we welcome two of the contributors. Sid Mohandas contributed a section on Montessori education and gender, recasting gender in Montessori contexts, and Nicole Walker co-wrote Beyond Authenticity, Indigenizing Montessori Education in Settler Colonial United States, along with Trish McKino and Katie Kitchens. Welcome, Sid and Nicole, to Montessori in Action podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So the Bloomsbury Handbook of Montessori Education, just out, traces Montessori education from its historical roots to current scholarship and contemporary issues of culture, social justice, and environmentalism. Huge, huge task. And I was hoping you'd start us out by sharing how you each got involved in this amazing project. I will go first. Um, uh, I suppose it was primarily through my acquaintance with Angela Murray and uh, Mira Debs, uh, whom I will be meeting next week in person here in Amsterdam. She's visiting, um, and it, it was it was also such a great pressure to uh, communicate with uh, Maria Makina, who was one of the editors in in the program. Um, and yeah, so that was the sort of main way, uh, and my sort of. Uh, research in gender has been uh, sort of a resonance uh, to you know, the topic. Thank you. And Nicole? Hi. Yeah, so I got involved in the project. Um, if you kind of go way back to when I first got my um, primary training, I got it through the Indigenous Montessori Institute, led by uh, Trisha Mokino. Um, through the Karis Children's Learning Center, and she's one of the co-authors alongside um, with Katie. And so, yeah, I, I kind of got into it from my training days and the relationships that I built with that uh, Montessori school there. They're, they're also an immersion school, like where I work. Um, and I think it just kind of grew from that collaboration. And when Trisha had started um, talks about being a part of this this project, she invited me on to kind of give a different perspective from a different um, a different tribe, a different region. And yeah, I'm very thankful that she brought me on. Hmm. Hmm. 
So, Nicole, you've already started moving into a little bit about what your chapters, but let's go back to Sid. Will you introduce what your chapter's title is, what the focus is on? And it, it also connects a little to your introduction and the work you'd been doing beforehand. So my, my chapter specifically focuses on uh, gender in Montessori, and the chapter title is uh, Montessori in Education, um, gender in Montessori education, uh, and kind of recasting gender in the Montessori context. Uh, and what I try to do, uh, in the chapter is to kind of use, uh, Montessori's feminist legacies as a sort of a springboard to justify, uh, an ongoing sort of engagement with, uh, feminist, uh, contemporary feminist scholarship and research. Uh, yeah. So that is, I guess, fundamentally what the chapter is about. Mm. And Nicole? Yeah, so uh, my chapter is called Beyond Authenticity, Indigenizing Montessori Education in Settler Colonial United States with Trisha Mokino and Katie Kitchens. And um, in our chapter, we kind of talk about the historical legacy that um, the Mont- that Maria Montessori and the Montessori Method has played in um, Indigenous history, especially in education, and the um, kind of fraught history of Indigenous education in general and how Montessori, you know, unknowingly has played a role in that. Um, and But, you know, it's not all negativity. We also talk about, you know, how we use Montessori in our um, respective communities as a vehicle towards, you know, teaching our language, our culture, and um, how we we really are using it as a means of, you know, protecting our sovereignty. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you read the chapter, it'll make sense, but I'll definitely answer more questions for how we get to that point. Mm. Well, that's, that's fascinating. And this is sort of the beginning of our summer reads. So thinking about um, enticing people to read it is great, great strategy. Love that. Um, I, so I imagine as authors in a, in a much larger book, there were choices that you needed to make. And it's probably Nicole, it was complex since you had two other co-authors. But I'm curious to hear what the choices were that you needed to make about what to leave in and what to take out. So Sid, will you start us off in talking about that? In the chapter, I go through a lot of different, um, feminist sort of, uh, moves within uh throughout history that has uh kind of come about in, in from the times of Montessori. Uh but I try to situate mm-hmm. situate the sort of chapter in this sort of contradiction of yes, Montessori contributed uh you know uh, there is a justice focus uh there in relation to a feminist feminist activism and child advocacy. Uh at the same time locating Montessori uh, in the sort of wider colonial capitalist sort of context that it emerged in and how that shaped mm-hmm. and even some of the logics that kind of uh, permeate the approach uh, in subtle ways and in, in ways that, that are not always, um, you know, uh, readily sort of uh, visible uh, to everyone. So uh, mm-hmm. my research primarily, mm-hmm. uh, you know, does that sort of uh, interrogating and uh, critically engaging with Montessori, not so much as, you know, as, Trish, as Nicole said, not so much as to trash Montessori or to kind of put uh, Montessori in a negative lens, but to kind of consider 
um, you know, what works and what does not work and who does it work for and who does it not work for, you know. Um, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so, um, I, I suppose in terms of what you asked about what was, what was left in and what was left out, uh, there were aspects that, uh, related to colonial sort of anti-colonial sort of perspectives that I kind of had to leave out. Uh, towards the end of the chapter, even though it does, I do mention it, I do kind of, uh, touch upon it. Uh, but then, um, yeah, I mean, my, my research is enormously, uh, shaped by, uh, the works of Jamaican scholar and poet Sylvie Winter, um, uh, as well as the works of many indigenous scholars in the North American context, such as Eve Tuck and Zoe Todd. Uh, and one of the things that, uh, in, you know, emerges when you locate Montessori, uh, in the sort of historical context is how, um, there are, especially when it, when it, when you look at developmentalist sort of logic in psychology and the emergence of developmentalist perspectives in sort of, uh, simultaneously mm-hmm. with, uh, uh, you know, colonial capitalism, um, uh, there mm-hmm. are some, um, you, you see how the colonial uh, uh, logic kind of kind of shaped some of the thinkings, especially in terms of you know where developmentalism was often used as a sort of justification for land grabbing and mm-hmm. you know extractivism mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and seeing the mm-hmm. you know savage uh, indigenous uncivilized person and undeveloped land and imposing a particular. Um, perception of development, a Western sort of perception of development on, uh, you know, indigenous and non-Western land. So, I mean, where gender comes in here is, uh, Sylvia Winter's notion of, um, uh, man, capital M-A-N, which is the rational mm. economic man or the homo economicus. Um, and it, it's this idea of a particular kind of human which is a Western bourgeois, uh, sort of, um, economically, you know, uh, a kind of man that is uh, entangled in this sort of economic drive and imperative. Um, which, I mean, which when you look into contemporary Montessori context, you do see that it is not separate from wider political, economic, social, uh, you know, relations where children are, uh, mm-hmm. seen as, um, market supply factors or, you know, in the sort of, mm-hmm. um, um, in, in the sort of process of, uh, active players in the global economic race and all of that, you know. So, uh, so, so I suppose, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, even when you look into Montessori's cosmic education and, you know, it does emphasize interdependencies and connections and all of that, but there's also the colonial sort of extractivist uh, perspectives that are uh, seen in there where the human is seen as the crown and creation kind of extracting, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of supernature, mm-hmm. basic, na- nature, basically, the idea that human is mm-hmm. taking from the earth and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. developing it. And yeah, um, so, so that, uh, that aspect definitely is something that I would uh, I'm keenly interested in pursuing <laughs> further, uh, and it does it does appear mm-hmm. a lot of times in my uh, in my you know scholarly work. Uh, but uh, that's something that I left out. Um, 
at least the details of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a whole nother book yeah. in the works <laughs> over there. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you have both mentioned um, not to be negative or something about negative. And I just want to say for the context of this conversation, um, Amelia Sherwood, one of the main inspirations and co-authors of collectively renewing the Montessori curriculum document, inspires us that by our love of the Montessori curriculum and the Montessori method to interrogate it deeply. So her viewpoint is, and the viewpoint of this document, is that we are so committed to it that we are willing to fully interrogate it to change, towards change. And so I love that you're both bringing that lens to your chapters in terms of taking a good look at the unintended consequences and what is the way that we're renewing our relationship with this pedagogy and this curriculum in order to serve the children before us today. So just continuing the conversation in that context that none of this is, is negative. This is all very positive and moving, moving the community forward and love hearing you talk about that. So Nicole, for you, um, and co-authoring it with two other people, were there choices that you needed to make about what to leave in and what to take out? Oh, definitely. I think one of our first drafts was very long. (laughs) Um, because of course there's just so much that, you know, we care about this, um, this way of education. And we also still have that critical eye on the the method. And so finding that balance um, Mm -hmm. made for a very long first draft. Um, I think we were also in those initial kind of draft stages, thinking about how to find that balance between, you know, how to, how to be not too critical because there was a bit more, um, information in there, especially about some of the um, some of the work that happens in the Montessori classrooms that can be very um, stereotypical of, of indigenous peoples and, you know, how how deep to delve into that discussion. We did mention it in the book, but we ultimately took out quite a bit of that and left the main main focus. Um, and, you know, we we kind of tightened it up. But one thing that we for sure wanted to leave in there, despite, you know, our our limit of how long our our paper could be was our author positionality and making sure that we, you know, shared who we are, what communities we come from. So, Mm -hmm. because that's something, especially with indigenous people that we're often feel like we're being erased, that we're Mm -hmm. um, being ignored and making sure that, you know, this isn't just a a neutral paper about Montessori and indigenous, um, indigenous issues, but this is coming from actual people in indigenous communities. And so that was Mm -hmm. something that we made sure was left in our chapter so that Mm -hmm. that's, you know, right at the front when somebody reads, they know that this isn't just, this is actually happening in our communities right now. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so there, you know, obviously we had to make our choices and I think, I, I think we were all really happy with how it came out. Um, Mm. our points, our points were made in the end. And I think there's always room that we could continue on writing about that other stuff in other means. And, Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, just knowing that there's, you know, this isn't the end all be all. (laughs) I like that, um, Nicole talk about, talks about the situated, situatedness of it. And, and that's such a core aspect, um, in, 
attuning to how uh, there were, you know, diverse indigenous sort of communities across the world who, whose relations are so diverse and different. And, and that, you know, you know, uh, I suppose that's one of the critiques I have about Montessori, uh, being presented as a universal approach that works for everyone. Um, and I think that situatedness kind of, uh, lends towards, uh, possibilities to, reconfigure Montessori to work for uh, people um, in different lo- localities based on different philosophies uh, that are, uh, you know, um, unique to those places. So, yeah, I mean, amazing to hear your insights, Nicole. Thanks. Hmm. So I'm wondering, in addition to um, tweaking and... Um, refining your contribution by leaving some things out and deciding what to add. Were there other areas of challenge in the writing process that you came across? And Sid, why don't you start that one out? I I suppose trying to make complexity accessible. um, And I think complexity, the the kind of research that I'm engaged in is... uh, um, extremely complex in terms of uh, the sort of not only the language, but also the sort of um, what it's unpacking. Um, and I think mm-hmm. complexity is really important um, because children live in complex worlds um, and um, simplifying complexity kind of um, simplifies their worlds that are, that are already so, you know, uh, diverse and com- multiple and com- uh, complicated. Um, so I, I suppose that was one of the challenges, you know, how do I make this, you know, I, I want to get what I'm doing, uh, in terms of the scholarship and in terms of practice, um, out there and get it out there, uh, in, in a way that people can relate to. Um, so I, I suppose, um, my chapter tends to be a bit more theory heavy in that sense. Um, and if I were to rewrite it, I would possibly have examples and, you know, um, mm. to kind mm-hmm. of, uh, allow people to kind of have a, uh, you know, some sort of a, um, insight into what that means in the classroom. And, uh, that's, that's always a challenge when you, when you're, you know, uh, so into philosophy and into these dense theories, you, you kind of get, um, you know, elated and translated into these sort of spaces. And it's, it's always about, okay, what, what does that do in the classroom, in the, yes. on the ground, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was one mm-hmm. another challenge, uh, you know, in writing the chapter. Hmm. I love drawing out the tension between the complexity of what you're trying to cover and also the simplicity of people's being able to digest it, sort of like a, a good strong lesson. There's a complexity to it, but there's a, also a really straightforward simplicity and also really enjoy the tension you're bringing out to the the larger philosophy and the usable, actionable aspects of it too. How do we take it from theory to action? I mean, I, I, I suppose one of the challenges with that is, uh, you know, most people want um, 
like 10 steps, what are, what are like 10 steps that I can, you know, be, do this work. And it doesn't work that way. It, it, it's an ongoing mm-hmm. responsive, you know, sort of, uh, relation that you are, you, that you need to, you know, it's, it's, it's in the ongoingness that, you know, this work finds its mm-hmm. way because as soon as you mm-hmm. make a static, sort of 10, 10 step policies that it, it automatically stops being a lively document or lively sort of, you know, um, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that is again another, another aspect. You know, if I give these sort of 10 steps, uh, or if I give these solutions, then that gets taken up and, you know, implemented in, uh, as a static sort of, solution somewhere which there's no relevance to it i mean there's an example from my i mean I'm, i've got adhd and um and um and that means that um being in the classroom uh, in 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 the university spaces you know that they have all these sets of things that they have interventions in place to support but there are generalized in, uh, interventions that have nothing to do with you know what the struggles that i face um Mm-hmm. They are, you know, they are, uh, drafted with positive intention and, uh, you know, um, with great care, but at the same time, they don't really respond to my needs. Um, so I mean, it, it, it just gives, gives an idea of how school space, institutional mm-hmm. spaces kind of have interventions in space mm. that don't always, uh, are not responsive. They're like, okay, this is what we have, and you know, it doesn't work for you. So, um, yeah, what can we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Lovely. So, Nicole, for you, what were the areas of challenge th- through the writing process in your chapter? I think some of the challenges came in the editing process because um, I'll just pull out and say, like, I wasn't, I, I, you know, helped write the chapter and. I, but I also came in when there was a clear direction already made by Trisha and, um, Katie. And so I contributed, but they had a very clear, um, idea of what they wanted. And we made sure that that happened in our writing. And when the editing came, you know, of course, there's editing for, um, clarification, for length, for style, things like that. But there were some, um, you know, very strong wording that words that we wanted to make sure were written into our chapter to really show, you know, the points that we were trying to make. And in the editing process, there was sometimes some back and forth um, with the editor to um, make sure that some of the stronger language that we had chosen stayed in the chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we didn't want to feel like we were being censored in any way. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with big collaborations like this, there's a lot of editing that happens. I don't think any of that was meant to be intentional, but we did have to, you know, fight for some of those um, the stronger wordings, especially against, you know, colonialism and different things like that, that mm-hmm. oftentimes, um, I think it's getting better nowadays, but oftentimes people want to kind of sugarcoat, um, and we want mm-hmm. to make sure that kind of thing, those things weren't sugarcoated in our chapter that, you know, the mm-hmm. atrocities that were done against indigenous peoples were clear that the atrocities that continue to happen to, you know, people of color, indigenous people across the world is still, you know, 
we don't need, we shouldn't be sugarcoating that. So that was um, some of the challenges we had. And of course, just editing for length, that was always a challenge because like I said, in the, um, the last question, you know, there's just so much that we wanted to share um, about, you know, how Montessori is used in our communities. And so that length is always a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sid, was it a challenge for you, the editorial piece around the strength of the language you were using? Did you come across that? There were a lot, there were uh, terms and terminologies that needed more unpacking. And, um, that was a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, overall, I think, um, Maria and Mira were very generous in their, um, you know, responses uh, to the chapter. Um, Mm -hmm. I I suppose uh, one of the things that I do experience is how um, there are instances when uh, unknowingly or knowingly, I don't know, but um, where particular scholars get uh eliminated in in citational apparatus um uh especially black and indigenous scholars who get removed from um and it all it almost seems like wow you know they removed uh such and such scholar and they are black you know they're black or indigenous and um you know how uh it's interesting that that happens so uh, uh, I, I suppose I'm very uh, attuned to citational politics and t- citational practice uh, of who we think with and mm-hmm. who we are uh, including in our citational imperatives because um, uh, feminist, you know, queer and um, black and indigenous com- uh, scholars, um, you know, the, the, the speed at which we get er- erased from uh, scholarship is something that... Um, uh, you know, uh, needs to be spoken about. Um, and people need to be mm-hmm. attentive to that, you know, attuned to that sort of, uh, uh, happening in, in writing. So, uh, yeah, that's something that I would probably highlight. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems that the handbook itself is, um, doing some work to do just that, to forward, um, the work of all different scholars through, the diversity of voices and chapters. Would you say that's true? That that's one of the maybe indirect aims of the handbook. I, I suppose. I mean, I, I was immensely appreciative of how the editors engaged uh, with such responsive care uh, to the questions, tensions, and challenges that were that surfaced. Uh, there were many times that I approached them with questions that I had and uh, challenges, challenging sort of aspects in relation to terminology, but they immediately took on board and, you know, they made changes to it. And it was really uh, pleased that they were responsive that way. Um, At the same time, I I am um, critical of presenting Montessori in a solely um, romanticizing Montessori, if, if you like. Uh, presenting it as, as the best approach and, you know, we, uh, Montessori has all the answers and, and, um, and I, I'm more so into interrogating and, uh, you know, considering what does Montessori do, uh, in, to, not what Montessori is, but rather, you know, what, it, what is it doing to, uh, different communities, um, and different, you know, worlds. Uh, so, um, 
I, I, I would personally like more, um, chapters and contributions similar to, you know, uh, Trisha's and, uh, Juliet King's and, um, you know, uh, to be part of, to take a more weight in Montessori scholarship and writing. Nicole? Yeah, so I think this collaboration is a good start. You know, there's um, just looking at the, you know, glossary of all the different kind of like educational areas that it hits, the different um, geographical areas that it hits. But knowing that like our chapter, Digitizing Montessori Education in the U.S., like that is just a small snippet of indigenous peoples you know here in the u.s and so already you know we're just a fraction of the indigenous people that are out there and i don't know you know what it looks like in other areas with their indigenous peoples you know so it's a start but we're still just a fraction and i i always feel like you can kind of see um how diverse something really is, is how they treat the indigenous people, because we're everywhere across the world. And yet people think of us in just few little pockets. And I feel like this book is one of those cases, too, that like, it's good that we're in here. But, you know, we're just a small, small little snippet of, of who's out there. So it's a good start. Um, and there's a lot to be learned in this book. And I've been looking through it since I got my copy. And, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn. But, you know, always remaining, like you said, critical about this, this model that we love, this way of education, but knowing that like, we can always mm -hmm. do better. And at least we're on, on the right path. And at least indigenous people were included. <laughs> Lovely. Is there anything else either of you would like to share today before we close our conversation? Uh, w one of the things in my chapter, uh, especially for, I, I use feminist post-structuralism as a, a key theoretical approach to kind of bring in um, interrogating gender in the classroom. Um, and one of the things in feminist post-structuralism is a focus on discourse and language and how meaning circulates in the classroom and how there are certain dominant sort of uh, discourses and meaning, uh, that are circulating in the classroom in terms of what it means to be a boy, what it means to be a girl. And, and one of the things that really, uh, uh, that I'm really inspired by in, in that sort of way of thinking is how, uh, it, it kind of gives agencies to children, um, uh, especially in, um, not seeing children as, uh, just passively absorbing these gendered relations and discourses, but actively uh, participating in negotiating and subverting, and at the same time also uh, conforming to those, you know, dominant discourses. So, um, and and in, in that, I kind of give this sort of recommendation that there, there needs to be, be more uh, listening to children's worlds and worldviews and their sort of the meanings that emerge from them, um, at the same time, uh, being in dialogue with them, uh, in, in relation to, uh, how can we offer different alternative sort of narratives to this discussion? Um, and how can we extend that to uh, make, um, you know, 
we'll move towards transformative goals in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the immense work of identity formation that happens in Montessori spaces and our awareness as the prepared adult as part of the prepared environment that influences that identity formation is it's staggering and breathtaking. And I think that uh, including that in in the training. Um, those aspects. I mean, when I did my training, um, and, and I did a top-up sort of program with um, Montessori Center International here in London, um, they had it. They had these aspects relating to race, uh, gender, class, and you know all these varying aspects um, in, embedded in the uh, training approach, training program. So. Uh, and that's where I kind of started delving into different, you know, theoretical approaches that kind of opened up different possibilities. Um, and it, it was really transformative. So, I mean, I, I think that is such a key part of being a prepared adult, like you said, you know, uh, of being uh, aware and sensitive to the complexities uh, of, you know, gender and race and all that stuff. And, um, and being in that ongoing sort of journey as an educator, uh, you know, whether that's through continual professional development. Mm-hmm. Or reading the Bloomsbury Handbook. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nicole, how about for you? Is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, I think just following up with Sid, that idea of, you know, the prepared adult doesn't just come from just our training but there's so much outside of that training and I'm thankful when I did my training I was a part of the Indigenous Montessori Institute the uh, first cohort through the um, Caris Children's Learning Center and we had built in you know different kinds um, of additional things outside of our actual training where we met with indigenous scholars. We did the embracing equity um, training where we, you know, specifically talked about those kinds of like social justice, racial issues. And um, that was just, you know, I think that kind of like additional training should be needed for every guide, you know, that's in there teaching, working with, with children in a Montessori setting Um, and now having like the handbook, I think it's really nice because they're, they're not glossing over those kinds of subjects, you know, and they're there in one place, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. people can, um, you know, if they're not able to get those kinds of trainings, at least they can have an introduction to some of that information. And then, you know, an introduction is where you start and then hopefully they can delve deeper. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this will be a lovely resource for training centers around the world to have readings that spark discussions so that even if they don't already have something embedded, there's now a new resource to support those kinds of conversations. Mm. Thank you so much, both of you, for contributing to this book and for taking the time to be on the podcast and talk about your chapter. It was an honor to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Elspeth. Our show is a project of Public Montessori in Action, elevating voices in the community to forward the mission. Our host is Elizabeth Slade. 
Our producer is Isaac Price Slade. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with others. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.